Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to Crossover Comers. My name is Ryan Kramer, and this is Crossover Comers. Thanks for joining in. You already got a little look at our uh, guest today, but that's because we we're playing around beforehand on this awesome, amazing format. This is episode 141 of Crossover Commerce. This is my corner of the internet where I bring you the best and brightest in the Amazon and e-commerce industry, whether that be helping consumers get their products started and off the ground, or it might be advertising, marketing, uh, social influencing or social marketing. We've talked about that a lot recently because it's a passion uh, subject in my mind, but uh, for lots of people who are growing their brands, whether it be off of Amazon first or on Amazon growing and diversifying their brand internationally, I really am fascinated about how different, uh, the different nuances in different ways that one can do such a thing. So that being said, before we get into the nitty gritty, if this is the first time being on the podcast, just want to give a shout out to our presenting sponsor, Ping Pong Payments. Ping Pong is an international cross-border payment solution that has helped over 1 million customers worldwide in doing $150 million in cross-border payments to date. That means if you do quick math, I'm not a big math person, but if you were to add up everything quickly to date in the six years that we've been in business, they have actually have done over $90 billion, that's billion with a B, in cross-border payments, helping people pay out their VAs, their manufacturers, their uh, their sourcing agents, whomever that might be in different currencies, and also repatriating money. If you are an international brand, Ping Pong is a solution for you. So if you want to look for a solution that's going to help you save money and leave, uh, not leave it on the table, go ahead and click on the link in the comments or show notes if you're listening to this and sign up for a free account today to start saving money with Ping Pong. That being said, uh, this is this show is all about trying to grow your business and trying to take that next step forward, whether it be, like I said, in logistics, sourcing, product building. But today's topic I'm really excited about, we're talking about micro-influencers. Now, what is a micro-influencer? A micro-influencer can be anywhere from uh, 4,000 um, followers or so on a certain social media platform to 20,000 or so. It has a good, unique following. Um, that being said, why does that matter? Why are more people looking to those kinds of quote-unquote influencers or voices, if you will, on social media, rather than going with more scalable uh, platforms or profiles, uh, whether it be um, celebrity or more of a well-known established entity. There's pros and cons to both, and that's why I really wanted to jump in today with our guest. Um, his name is uh, David Moreau. He actually is a managing partner at NB Agency, which helps brands leverage thousands of collaborations with micro-influencers. And he knows people uh, trust user-generated content. Um, performs better than studio quality ads, helping uh, brands now, uh, you might know these brands that have helped grow their influence online, New Balance, uh, the Got Milk Campaign, Nordstrom, uh, 7-Eleven, Nissan, great brands, but have also grown smaller brands into uh, six and seven figure direct consumer brands. So that being said, welcome David to Crossover Commerce. David, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, no problem. So uh, you're you're joining us from where? Canada. So, I'm yeah, gonna do, Canada. put a question mark in there. Yes, because yeah. I don't. I try not to cheat, David. And for on this show, uh, when people tell me where they're from, <laughs> because I like to go off the accent. Because we're an international show, it's it's kind of fun to play the Russian or the roulette of where in the world are you located? But you're in Canada. What yeah. Part? More specifically, Quebec, the French-speaking part of Canada. So okay. native language is French. Learned English when I lived in the United States as a kid. But yeah, good guess. Okay. Well, so you're from Canada. You 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 were born and raised Canada, right? Or yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. 
Okay, so uh, you're in, I'm assuming Quebec, because that would be around that part. So uh, if international, I, I think like selling direct to consumer or selling online, that hasn't always been your background, has it? Or has marketing always been a part of it? What, what got you into the quote micro influencer, the agency space, if you will, in this uh, capacity? Oh, yes, sorry. We're delayed right. for a second. Do you need yeah. me to repeat? No. We've both. No, no, I got that. I got that. So essentially, uh, it, it goes back, right? We got out. I did a, a law degree uh, in a past life. I studied law, finished law, actually got into this kind of project. I was like, I want to do online uh, stuff. I want to do business. I, I don't like law that much. Started a web design agency. We, you know, we discovered SEO from there. Uh, then a client came to us and asked us, hey, we actually want to explore this micro-influencer thing where we just want to get tons of ambassadors to promote our product online. And uh, I think it looks a lot like link building, right? Where there's tons of outreach, there's negotiation, et cetera. The, the, the process for link building is very similar to negotiating a micro-influencer. So we got into that through that kind of uh, client asking us as a one-off project and discovered that there was an enormous demand for this and that we could specialize heavily into this and build a business out of it. So four years, five years later now, I think we're fully uh, in micro-influencer marketing and we're not doing any more SEO for our clients. Well, it, you, you were talking about almost uh, performance marketing. You were talking about link building and almost driving traffic to a brand or a destination, right, of uh, to hopefully either convert via sale or to drive loyalty or to drive awareness right so at the end of the day that that was your that was your genesis i lo love using the word genesis like how it all got started and now you've actually tapped into this this unique marketing segment of influencer marketing which again everyone has an opinion on influencer marketing what's an influencer how do you actually how do you actually measure influence in a space where there's so much constant change going on uh influence in conversion of sales or is it just visibility or is it engagement what are we talking about in terms of influencer marketing can you kind of yeah sure thing. Measure out what that looks like so essentially we work with micro influencers strictly right you said 4,000 to 20,000 20, earlier uh that on instagram that's a loose definition right that it varies heavily there's different definitions um in a lot of cases, you know, a micro-influencer, the biggest difference is that you're not going to be dealing with an agent or an agency. You're directly dealing with the micro-influencer. So we don't represent micro-influencers. We represent, you know, uh, the client working with micro-influencers. Now, having said that, that, there's no agent. You're dealing directly with them. So what becomes interesting is that you can um, set different goals to your micro-influencer marketing efforts, right? You can decide like, okay, we want to drive sales and awareness. That's one of the goals we see a lot. Then after that, there's the goal of creating content. So what kind of content do we want to create to run our Facebook ads and, you know, TikTok ads and whatnot? And the third goal is really market research. So which products should we release next? What does our packaging look like? So we see the micro-influencer at the center of these three goals, and that's essentially the place it fits. What's interesting is really that you can scale this and, you know, work with 50, 100 micro-influencers, 1,000 micro-influencers, and, you know, you can get a lot of different content assets. You can test a lot of things and you can get a lot of market insights. Sorry, I went all over the place to answer that question. No, but yeah, that's a... No, there's a... So this is what's fascinating, right? Uh, everyone, uh, even, even nowadays, you're starting to measure different kinds of growth. Like uh, everyone starts, if they have a business and the brand, 
even even as recent as like 10 years ago, you would have to you'd have to look at different things of like where where does your time and effort go? Where are the eyeballs, right? Um, I worked in an industry in the newspaper industry, we went off of impressions. So you're touting impressions. How many eyeballs are gonna be or how many times is your ad gonna be shown uh, of across a certain metric? And people were just okay with impressions, right? On Google, on a website, how many times your banner got shown. But now you're talking about following and that's a little bit different than it's kind of shifted away from this nuance of how many times your ad's going to be shown in the traditional sense of marketing and advertising. Now it's how big is a potential market that you can reach or how small or how engaged you can be, which is super fascinating and cerebral to me. Um, when you say influencer, a lot of people, if you're tapped in the space, you think of like celebrity, right? Uh, someone who has multi-million followers, uh, they're following them because they're a popular celebrity in sport, uh, in business, or in you know uh, movie, television, whatever the celebrity that might be. What, who are who are you working with in that regards? Is it is it more just day to day people that just have a point of view? Like what what what's the sweet spot for yeah. you and your agency? Good question. Um, really, response like you know these are day to day people, the micro influencers. They're building a following on Instagram or TikTok or YouTube for whatever reason, right? They're looking to accomplish something out of it. But a lot of them will have a, a day job or you know working somewhere else because with four thousand to twenty thousand followers on Instagram, you don't earn a living just from being an influencer on Instagram, right? So right. we're dealing with people that are not necessarily uh, business savvy yet, you know. But that's that's really who we're dealing with, right? The process is a lot more um, person to person, you know, there's not, there's, the contracts aren't enormous. The relationship is pretty simple. The asks are straightforward. The cycle is short. Right. Um, but yeah, that's essentially who we deal with, uh, versus, you know, celebrities where you'll be talking with an agent, you'll have to like scope the deal. There's going to be tons of different deal sections in the agreement. Do we have copyrights on the, on the content? How much ad budget can we put there behind that content? If we're to reuse that content and so forth, whereas, with a micro influencer, you don't get all of that. So what, um, how, how does one, how do you measure like actually engagement with somebody? Is there, so I, I maybe have like a thousand followers on like Instagram or something of that nature, not a lot, but you know, people have opted into it. Um, I think I put good content for the podcast or for whatever. Um, do you, my first question would be, are you working with just strictly professional? Do, there, there's a professional side of influencer versus like a personal side, right? Where like I'm posting kid, pictures of my kids all the time, oh, yeah. um, like uh, stuff along those lines. But then on the professional side, you might see them post like, I love this product. It saved my life. It helped me with my kids, so on and so forth. Tag company XYZ and uh, lots of people can engage. They go, they follow. Um, do you do you work with people who have that mixture of both or one's professional or even personal? Does that make sense? Yeah, we'll work with both, right? So like, you know, okay. let's say you can imagine like a personal profile where, you know, let's take like a a mother, right? Who just posts picture of their kids at their home decor and whatnot, right? Just like more personal themed page versus let's take a gardening page, right? Someone that's all their contents around gardening and the, 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 we'll work with both really depending on who the client is, what they're looking to accomplish, what type of content they're looking for and what kind of con uh, insights they're looking to get, right? So that's really... I mean, as long as you have engagement and people following you, that's really what we look at. Um, interestingly enough, though, you know, we realize that influencers that have a more specific niche will have a 
higher conversion rate uh, in terms of sales, higher engagement, just because the quality of the engagement is higher at least. And, you know, it's just because they are specialized and have more trust in that specific subsegment. So, yeah. Well, what about, um, do you, how, how do you get that, those metrics basically? Is there, is it, is there a technology that you have available or when you're engaging with them on the first time, are the, is this like a series of questions that you have to like fill out? Like what, how, how many likes on average are you getting or what kind of content do you like to post? How, how does that relationship build with micro influencers? Yeah, good question. So we'll look at all the, 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 you know, the, the quantifiable metrics that we have outside of like, you know, um, the more specific ones, but essentially we'll look at the likes, the comments, comments is a big one, right? You know, comments shows high engagement. Um, we'll look at the follower count, of course. And then after that on a more like, you know, uh, and attribution, we can look at traffic driven to the website, promo code usage, et cetera, if we're looking to track sales, right? So these are, these are the metrics we have access to They're the metrics we will be, um, we will be measuring. Okay. So what, if a brand's coming to you, what's the most important metric that you have to serve them? Is it is it impressions? Is it followers? What, what what's in your mind the most important impression that they're looking for? And then in your mind, is it something different? Yeah, so that's such a good question, right? Some some people come to us and they're like, we just want massive awareness, right? We've got this campaign. We need to get as many eyeballs on it, and that's the goal of the campaign. Everything else doesn't matter. Some people will tell us it's traffic. Some people will tell us it's sales. Um, Whatever your metric is, the, 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 the strategy will change, right? Client that comes to us with a sales-driven approach, we're going to tell them up front that this is a channel that you've got to build. So let me walk through this on packages so we can, we can explore this, right? So first step for us is really identify, okay, what are the unique selling points that, you know, you want to put forward with that product? After that, you know, any cool values that you stand for that we can show the influencers to just build that goodwill, right? Are you sustainable? Do you have a, you know, are you giving back to whatever, save the earth or what, like a, a cause like that? Just try to build up that goodwill, right? After that, we'll identify, okay, well, who's your audience we're looking to reach and what influencers are they following on Instagram, right? This has to align. And then after that, we'll just reach out to these influencers, get them to create content. We'll find content examples to guide them. Just like, you know, go Facebook ads library, look at your competitors, look at what they're doing, compile some content ideas, and then just put a mood board to give your influencers so that they can build the content from there. And then after that, we'll track sales, right? And then this is a numbers game. So, you know, we're expecting 20% of the influencers we work with to really outperform the other 80%. So, We'll keep those 20%, double down on them, try to identify any trends among them so that we can rinse and repeat. And then we end up with a small network of, at that point, are they ambassadors or influencers? I mean, it's a loose discussion, but it, it, we're just going to have a small network that we can reactivate on an ongoing basis. For instance, right, you, you've launched a new product, you've got your 50 creators that you can just ship your, your, your product and then they'll create publications and so forth. So um, that's how, that's how we view the sales component of it. And then, yeah. Do people, can people get, um, like as a micro influencer, this is my perception. Uh, I feel like they're, they're, they post a lot of great organic content, which I feel like is the best way to, to absorb content. Like we're, we're a pretty, I won't say dumb nation or like dumb society. We are very like short attention span society. Thank you, listener, for for listening to an hour long conversation. Uh, <laughs> who's out there? Like this, this is 
this is probably the longest format that anyone will sit down and actually passively or actively listen to and opt in is podcasting, right? Is you have to kind of like think through it and kind of be somewhat aware of what's going on. Social media is a little bit different, right? Where there's a lot of swiping, there's a lot of uh, quick um, burst through. It's anywhere from three seconds where you have to get their attention to 15 seconds. There's really not a lot of time in order for you to have an impact on that. So are we coaching? Are we coaching these people through how to get that impact quickly to feel more organic, to feel palatable instead of like, oh, it's an ad, swipe away. Or yeah, I, I don't want to like listen or spend my time looking at that. It's a good question. I mean, we guide them to the best of our competence, right? A lot of the time they understand our audience better than we do. So it's a, like the art of like, how much do we tell them and how much do we let them decide, right? And it's really, it's a tough balance because you know- Let them fly, you, yeah. 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 Yeah, don't hold them back. Yeah. And if you do that, you're going to end up blown away by multiple creators, but some of them will give you content that's kind of wanky and you're like, well, no, that doesn't cut it. Right. So it's really like, where's the balance? So we try to mood board instead of briefing where we give examples of content that we love and then they can take from there. And then more importantly, content that we don't like. Right. So they can learn from that, too, so that we're not, you know, having them shoot in a direction that we we don't want to work in. Okay, so what what is the most successful content that's creating? Because we're talking about content generation, we're talking about uh, either product placement or talk about a sale. What what's the most important and engaging content that people are creating nowadays? Yeah. Using? very successful, very high engaging. What's that first like tip for people who are trying to build either yeah. a, a following or to work with uh, brands? So if your product's got a really cool USP, um, unique selling proposition, right? You do something amazing, put that forward right away. You know, it's it's a it's a good one. You can decide which ones you want to put forward. Um, if you've got your, if your brand stands for something, helps you know uh, some kind of group that there's a strong belonging to, definitely put that forward. The mission is going to drive a lot of engagement. So really depends, right? If you're if you're looking to you know reduce carbon footprint by doing X Y Z with your brand and Put that forward right people buy into that it's it's a good kind of motivator for people to buy and it, it that's really like it i guess it's going to depend on what your your kind of uh your what your your target your messaging is right and then after that is it video content is it um is it image content is it carousel content test them out test them out and think about what you're going to be able to reuse in your paid ads as well as probably one of the biggest thing I'd say, you know, like testimonials, you know, can be fantastic if you're looking to repurpose them in your, in your paid media afterwards. Right. And just think about that end game of like, okay, well we might want to run ads on this. So what type of content do we want? And yeah. Okay. So uh, with that being said, you're probably engaging, maybe correct me if I'm wrong, you're engaging with people who maybe have never done this before. Uh, is, is that a fair assessment? Is there a percentage breakdown of like, this is the first time I'm working with, uh, maybe on behalf of a different brand, right? Uh, these people are not well known, they don't do this for a living, as you alluded to earlier in the episode. What what are like the basics that you're like, you're coaching them through and essentially like, is this content that they create, is it, do they own it or is it the brands? Or is there an agreement that you have to like have written down is it is it yeah. like audible like what are the i guess the technicalities of working with maybe a micro influencer to protect the brand but then also if i'm an influencer protecting them yeah so we we do kind of licensing agreements content licensing and then if we if we use the influencers content on our social media we will tag them that's all stated in the agreement 
And then after that, we 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 asked for them to allow us to use the content for you know a period of anywhere from six to twelve months in our paid media. So that's really the agreement structure. Then we 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 kind of you know scope out. Okay, well, what's the payout? And then what do we expect in return? So like, is it one post, one story, and one link in the bio for twenty four hours? Right. That that's really what we'll scope out in that agreement. Just make sure that everything is laid out. Okay. So what about, uh, we actually had a question come in um, from one of our listeners on LinkedIn, Lisa, who's a friend of the show, actually. She had asked, uh, are there ever non-compete agreements signed between brands and micro-influencers? Yes, there are. And bigger brands are really are really fond of these non-competes. I kind of find them useless in the sense that, you know, it, it just, it just had, you're just going to end up paying a lot more for a specific collaboration because you want to non-compete. Um, I you can do it if you wish, but you know, it's, it, it's going to have to be delimited in time. So, you know, it, it doesn't really have the effect that people are looking for, but I don't, I don't like non-competes all that much. I think, you know, they limit the influencer's ability afterwards to work with other brands and, you know, it's just uh, not a way that we, we use uh, on our site. Or yeah, maybe, maybe like put it in a positive spin. Is there, is there a way that you've actually built into someone who's so engaging and like so passionate about a brand, have they become, you had mentioned even an ambassador. Yeah, yeah. Right, like, exactly. They only yeah. will work with a brand because of the nuances good point, and, the, right? and the feeling. Good, yeah. good point. Yeah, definitely. And then, you know, if you're collaborating with an ambassador every two months and they're, you know, you're, you're giving them money and so forth, right? Even if they're in that case, then first of all, you could definitely write out a non-compete in that case, right? Where, you know, you're collaborating with an, an influencer on, you know, let's say a 60-day cycle then you could bake that in, but there's additionally going to be that feeling of like, okay, well, I'm loyal to this brand, right? We, we work together. Like there's a relationship. So yeah, in that sense, it, it does make sense. I was looking at it from an influencer perspective or, you know, one-off collaborations, but yeah, in, in, in an ambassador perspective, this completely makes sense. Okay. So when I'm a brand, uh, and this is another question that we had come in from Francois, who's also a friend of our show. He, uh, he asked the question, good morning for you, Francois, um, down there in, I'm assuming you're still in Georgia, uh, wherever you might be uh, listening from. He wanted to know, what do you need to prep before even considering micro-influencers? So when I read that question, I'm hearing that from a brand side. If I'm growing, I have a good following, I want to start maybe launching new products or I want to do a, a campaign and I need to prep with micro-influencers. And I think that to launch this new product, I can work with people who are, if I'm in health and wellness, reach out to these health and wellness micro-influencers so and say like, hey, what do I need to prep before that um, engagement happens? Yeah, that's a good question. So in terms of prep material, like definitely just map out kind of like what you're expecting from these influencers, right? And then that's a question that can be hard if you've never done it, but essentially standard, just ask for one post and one story and just find examples of content that you really enjoy, right? That's the most important thing that you need to prep before going forward with any um, influencers. And then after that, there's like all the kind of like document where you're going to tell the influencer, okay, here's a creative brief. Here's what we want you to do. Um, you can find that online pretty easily. Just like make sure to tag our, our, our profile, make sure to, you know, um, only wear our, our piece of clothing without, you know, wearing a competitor's piece of clothing and so forth, right? The do's and don'ts of the collaboration, if it's a fashion brand in this case. And then after that, it's really just reaching out, right? There's not much to prepare up front besides that, knowing what where you're going, what you expect of the influencers, and the do's and don'ts. And after that, you just reach out, negotiate with micro influencers, get the get the best collaborations possible, and move it, move from there. 
is there an amount that you want to work with? Like you don't want it to, again, I, I feel like organic content or consumable yeah. content is, is what's going to resonate with most people in any given context. Is there, is there too many, uh, micro influencers you can work with at any given one point? Like the following is not going to reach everyone in the world. Like if you work with like 10,000 micro influencers in theory, um, but if you work with like a hundred, is that too many at one time or what's, what's the monetary investment that you're working with influencers in that capacity? Is it, is it just money or is it just I say swag or like product? Yeah. What, are, what are the things that you're negotiating with in terms of, Hey, you do this, I will give you X, Y, Z. That's a really good point. And I mean, from, from the looks of it, right. Product seeding or gifting is, is a good way to go at it, right? A lot of influencers will work in exchange for product, especially if your product has goodwill is, is cool. And, you know, has a high value, right? If you've got like a $10 product value, then this becomes a bit harder. Um, and then how many influencers do you want to work with? Right. That's a, that's a good question. I'd say a hundred is completely reasonable. Um, all you have to take into consideration is that, you know, more influencers you work with, the more communications you're going to have to manage. And, you know, not all influencers are going to be posting on time. You're going to have to chase. You're going to have to manage it. It becomes like a kind of like a, a relationship you have to manage to make sure that they send you your content for approval. If you need approval, you know, that they post their content on social media, that they've, they've tagged you properly, that they, you know, they, they've got their content approved before they post it. And then you're going to have to track all of that. So, it, it, it can become uh, it, it, the, the answer is really like how much how many can you manage without uh, breaking down right that's really the question and you could you could work with a thousand micro influencers without much problems right if you've got the systems in place and the team in place as well so tell me about a, a campaign that you got most excited about like recently you were you're a brand that's maybe not as, as well known they they reach out to you walk me through that process of maybe your favorite success story if you will so that our listeners can say, Oh, like that makes sense. Like I can totally envision myself in the, in the, uh, those shoes. Yeah. So, you know, we, a couple of brands that we really enjoyed working with in the past, uh, past couple of months. There's one that's, uh, it's called, uh, their blue house salmon. It's a, it's a salmon company. They sell salmon in stores and it was an interesting one to unpack, right? Shipping salmon has tons of logistic complexities and making sure that the influencers create good content and so forth. But at this point, you know, we're, we're onboarding 25-ish new influencers every month. Uh, we're getting TikTokers as well to create content for their content calendar. So instead of, you know, like uh, they're, they're, they're just releasing a TikTok page now and we're, we're, just look, we're just outreaching TikTok creators that are making cooking videos and saying, hey, you know, we, we'd like you to create content. No needs to post it on your social media. We just want to create the content so that we can use it on our media. We will tag you, of course. Um, and it's been an interesting one, to be honest. And then the the number of ambassadors that are creating great content is growing and growing. A lot of creators are creating content that's okay, but that's fine, right? Because we're looking for the top performers. We identify them. We tag them as VVIPs on our side, and then you know we're we're building that roster. So it's 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 really interesting to just see that roster growing and like the kind of flywheel effect of having, you know good good creators on 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 deck that are ready to respond to a, a call out email from our side if you may all right david you said the word that triggered me and this is what's going to happen now you said TikTok. now we're going to yeah. dive into TikTok. yeah sure let's go this is this is this is the this is now i feel old right i i, I feel i like i always want to harken back and say like i'm never old like i i'm so in tune with facebook instagram like all these different platforms um 
you know, TikTok, I actually understand. I, I feel like I really do, but it triggers me because it has such this crazy wave of popularity and it's video based yeah. content, but I've been doing some research and we talked with some agency owners last week and the cool thing about this, and I never thought about this way, is that all the content that's coming from TikTok is organic. It only comes from one fire hose, right? You're you log into TikTok and it's, you you don't. There's not too many options that you can get to. At least no. last I checked, you can't go to a reels in TikTok. It's all coming. It's all one place. I can't go anywhere else but that one section. I open it up and it's there curated for me. Instagram is a little bit different. You have reels. You have stories. You have posts. You have other reels you can follow, like suggested topics. Like there's all these little offshoots that a person could get AD, or like ADD and like just shoot off and go down a rabbit hole, but that's not the path you want them to funnel down, right? You may never see a post if I go on Instagram and I'm only posting uh, posts, but I'm only looking at stories. Like I feel like stories are kind of this like weird nuance, like it lives for a little bit and then it's off. Like it's kind of like yeah. the Snapchat model. Is that why TikTok is so much more engaging or addicting what, 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 what is it yeah well uh, yeah this even uses the word uh i won't say yeah. it. I never try to use the word addicting but it's it's time consuming and it's, oh yeah it is it people is opt into yeah. that over like going to youtube and searching for something more so now or facebook or instagram no but you mark a good point there where tiktok is just one endless stream you know and just like i mean there's a feed in instagram as well but tiktok you check one video and all of a sudden you've been scrolling for 30 minutes, right? And you're like, what just, you know, happened, right? And TikTok is, what's interesting about TikTok is their distribution is 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 going to be outside of your regular network as well, right? So like, you know, on Instagram, your feed is mostly built on people that you follow or, you know, it's, it, but TikTok, TikTok has like a, a globe, a more global feed for you, right? Where you've got tons of people you don't follow that, you know, so it's always like this fresh stream of content. So I think that's where TikTok wins in that sense. Um, but for brands, it's a hard platform to crack. And the reason is that, you know, doing a product incorporation in a TikTok video, if you do it too salesy, it's just going to kill the reach and your video is not going to get any reach. So it, it, you have to be extremely creative or have something amazing about your product that you can put forward. And it, it's, it, it requires a lot more strategic thinking and it's not the right fit for any brand. But yeah, TikTok is growing. It's a strong channel and it's definitely worth exploring. Right. We've had, we, we've dived into a little bit um, past audio versions that are out now. We, we talked with uh, an agency sellers alley that are actually working with brands you are trying to send traffic, uh, you know, working actually with um, someone who can pay ads and create ads and send it over to um, send them to a destination, whether it be a Shopify store, uh, Amazon yeah. product page, something like that, where it's, it's slowly becoming available for more and more people. So with that being said, is is TikTok potentially on the verge? Do you think they'll still focus on the curated contract and now be like you said, it's what 30 second video maximum? Um, we're short and sweet. It's trying to get you to laugh and engage for that period of time, but you don't want to feel salesy. Do you think that people who are influencers on TikTok know that that's their, that's their hook and they don't yeah. want to overdo it? Otherwise, they'll just lose followership or not be as yeah. trendy or go viral anymore? Yeah, that's exactly right. And what's cool about TikTok creators is that, is that they understand attention. TikTok creators are extremely good about, you know, attention like they're they're spot on with like the way they structure videos and you know it's it's just it's it's amazing to see the the amount of like uh the knowledge tiktok creators have on that front 
Um, creators, you know, don't want to put all that much salesy videos that are not going to get any views. And if they do, right, they're going to want to remove them because it just removes, just affects their their average view counts, right? So you have to be careful about those things. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's definitely uh, that's definitely something to take into consideration. Like if you can craft something with your product that's not front facing, but you know, that's really just. Uh, like the product is not like a, a, it's not a clear call to action. And that's, that's ideal, right? You, you've seen ton of these and. Right. So yeah, call to action would be, it's almost like uh, you do not want a call to action somewhat to be still organic, to be maybe tag them. I think that would yeah. be like a, a safe bet. Like everyone's, everyone's tagging different brands, content, whatnot. Um, but even, I'm still trying to learn about what, what, what trends and what's driving sales, right? Because it, it could be so yeah. nuanced of uh, the example, the best example I have in my repertoire is when we had an Amazon seller, he shared with me right before Q4 or prime day or black Friday, one of those major huge holiday, huge selling holidays. Uh, someone found his product. It was unique. It was, it was a uh, gel and you would heart, it would harden with UV light. And it was very different, unique, product tagged yeah. him and instantly the next day it was 10,000 sales of just yes. traffic spikes like crazy I think just tagged or you would have to search for it they were searching like what it's called and instantly you just have people organically searching for product XYZ going on Amazon and trying to find it and they found it and he was one of the top sellers in it and that's where a lot of sales came from it, it's so nuanced like that how are we how are you measuring success on TikTok versus Instagram. I feel like the data and the analytics aren't as, aren't as advanced maybe. No, as, they aren't, they aren't, right. Yeah, so and I was gonna say like, how do you measure success on TikTok now? So I mean like in a play like that, right? It's like something cool that's highly visual, right? Cool, that that's awesome, right? And if you've got that in your product and you know, you've got a winning formula for TikTok, go all out and try to get as many creators to create these videos as you can, right? If you don't have that, you know, you have to go in a more traditional, approach where you work with the TikToker, you measure sales and just like use promo code usage or traffic, right? And then UTM, the traffic and so forth. But what you can do also is uh, complement your uh, influencer posts with uh, paid media. So you can boost essentially the influencer's post to a specific audience using the TikTok ads manager, kind of like uh, Instagram and Facebook have the paid partnership feature where you can put budget behind an influencer's post. TikTok has uh, the same feature. So that's an extremely powerful mechanism that allows you to create an ad and distribute it through the influencer. So that's okay. one way that you can measure, you know, sales and like, okay, well, let's drive, let's drive ads to drive sales to our website. And then let's use TikTok uh, as our creators. Let's use influencers, sorry, as our creators that are creating the ads so that, you know, we actually create native content to the platform. Right. What, what's uh, what's the best way to find these people who are budding? I feel like you can become an influencer, micro influencer quicker on yeah, TikTok now 100%, because yeah. the content is, is is still growing on if you look on YouTube or even on Instagram or Facebook, there's so much out there and it just there, there's so much content. But on TikTok, like you said, it's only from one source. It's still curating and building out its library of content that doesn't exist anywhere else, but in, in its own platform. And then you can obviously share it to like Instagram and whatnot. Would you rather, would you rather find a micro influencer on TikTok now in, in this day and age, or would you rather find one on Instagram? Really? Really, really depends on, on, the, on the client and the creator, right? I mean, it's, 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 it's not always a straight line like that, right? 
TikTokers have an Instagram and Instagrammers have a TikTok, right? So it's like, where, where do you want to find the creator? If we're looking for TikTok content, we're going to look on TikTok. If we're looking for Instagram talk content, we're going to look on Instagram. Um, yeah. I guess it's blurred. So it's, it's really hard to determine like, where's the most success going to happen too, but, um, test it, or, yeah. Yeah. So I guess testing that, um, what makes a good, um, when, when a brand comes to you, what, what's kind of the the best questions a, a new a new customer can ask to an agency maybe like yours that that has not worked in this uh, environment before? What would be how would you coach them, or what would you wish they would ask you when becoming a yeah potentially becoming <laughs> a client? Love that question. You don't know how much I love that question, right? It's a uh, makes our life easier. So one of the things is really like you know just. Just send us all of your your email templates that you've sent out in the past. Give us access to your, you know, like uh, Facebook metrics as much as you can, right? What are your most top performing audiences? What's your top performing content, right? Give us that insight so that we can actually um, reverse engineer our influencer strategy from there. Because you've already got data, right? And it's like if we have access to that data, it makes it so much easier for us to guide you through the right process and identify influencers that are followed by this target audience that we're looking to reach and so forth. Um, additionally, it's going to help us complement your paid media with the content that's created from these influencers. Uh, that's really, really, I think, you know, the more information we can have from a business, the better we're off just because, you know, we have to learn it all ourselves, if not, and that's at the cost of, you know, slowing things down. So. Right. And you guys are not customer service for this brand. So you actually have to exactly. make sure you know everything beforehand. Otherwise it's going to be if uh, an influencer yeah. has a question yeah. and you don't know that that doesn't look good on, I'm assuming you, but it doesn't make anyone warm and fuzzy when all the contents and maybe not laid out there. There's probably lots of different nuances of there's so easy ways that a brand can work with you in that regards. And it, it's probably what more of a testing environment instead of, more of a, we have a budget, let's use this budget as much as we can, like a traditional agency. Is that, is that, is that how you're getting engagement with clients nowadays? Like, yeah. let's test it. And then like, as it becomes successful, then you start to grow in that regard. Exactly. Yeah. We'll scope out a plan of like matching the client's needs. So like, what does that look like to reach your needs? Like, what do we expect in terms of like, in using past data from our other clients, right? Cause we've got that advantage. We've worked with influencers a bunch. So and then like, what's the timeline on this? What's the budget a client should expect to be putting in there? Um, that's how we'll work it out and just draw out the process from there. And we've got tons of questions along the way, right? Like, how do you ship product to these influencers? Can you do special packaging, right? Can you do slip-ins and give them something special in the mail when they receive their package? Can we make them feel special, right? What can we do? And then um, those are all things that, you know, the more you, the more, the more, like the more of that we have, the easier our job becomes, right? So if you can send a little handwritten note to every influencer, then we know that you've got you've got a better angle, right? Because now we can make them feel special. And then, you know, it's just uh, all these small things. Well, David, if you need a test market, I'm right here for you, man. Like I, yeah. I'm, I'm all about, like I said, I've always told everyone, a guest on our show, you know what? If you need if you need run by idea by me, I'm I'm here for you. I'm a sounding board. This is what's so cool about this industry is that it, the creativity of certain brands and how they how they developed an uh in 
audience, but then also followership. And then also how they stand out with other peers is super fascinating to me and unique. Um, I actually just, uh, there was a uh, crowdsource project that one of my uh, colleagues was starting and I just got in the mail today, you know what? And I, I wanted to take an unboxing video and just all those things because I want to give him honest feedback for to grow his brand. But then also I found myself saying, actually, this is really cool. Like there's no other, it, it was a coffee uh, supplement. It's called Cognero and uh, they're, they're launching, they're trying to uh, grow this, not coffee. It's a coffee replacement with like lots of herbs and uh, organics and whatnot and give you the same benefits of coffee. Tastes like coffee, but also what does it look like? How's it feel? Does it feel high scale? Does it do all these things? And I thought that was so cool and unique. And I found myself walking through all these different things in my mind to help them give feedback. But it's as simple as asking friends and family and colleagues, what do you think about this? Give them test products. And if they don't like it, you can give good and honest feedback instead of releasing it to the public, hoping everyone likes it. And then you hear the same thing from 10,000 people and like, oh, this, this product didn't make me feel good or uh, it, it's not as advertised or anything like that. So what is, is there, is there a brand or product that you will not work with? Maybe let's ask that question. Is there, is there something you would just like say absolutely not to no to? Yeah. So we, we do have a couple niches, right. That we just don't touch firearms is one of them. Um, okay. Just, you know, um, we've also got, uh, we don't touch uh, weight loss products, you know, uh, it's just an very industry difficult that we to, find. Yeah. With TOS, it's very difficult yeah. to go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, and then I guess like if a brand, like uh, we, you know, we have like, we had some shady brands approach us, right. Like cure for cancer kind of stuff. And it's like, no, we don't touch that right now, but it's like, there's weird affiliate websites that were like, Hey, I know it's like, no, we don't touch this. And I wouldn't be uh, working with micro influencers. I would be finding like heads of countries, if you will, if that was the case, yeah. like, you actually, can't. Yeah. <laughs> there's one place you go to go to hospitals, go to medical fields. Yeah. Like, this yeah. is not a social media, like trend that yeah. we're trying to build here. That that this yeah. is definitely shady, very bad. Yeah, a lot of people try to peddle things on uh, on the internet, right? Like we've we've had a bunch of crypto, you know, crypto scams. They were clearly scams that came our way in our pipeline. It's like we don't touch that either. Um, okay. So very we're not hard close to, to working with them. the. Yeah, yeah, we're not we're not we're not close to working with the cryptocurrency. We just want to like you know look at it as a team and say okay, well this isn't a scam and there's legit team behind it, right? And it's not just a pump and dump and yeah. Do brands have to win you first? Is that like I, I would feel if I'm an agency owner, if I'm in your shoes, I'm gonna put I'm gonna put my uh, agency hat on. I would want a brand to win me over first and say, you know what, I get behind this. Like I'll put my name yeah. company and stick behind it because it's making me feel good. It's it's not. Yeah. Like, you said vanity metric. Th that's that's the pros and cons of this industry, right? Is you don't want something that's going to make you feel like you're a sellout. Does that make sense? Or but you that completely makes sense. good in the world. Yeah. I mean, on our side, like the way we look at it, right? We, there's some brands that come to us and we're like, well, this isn't going to work. Right. And, you know, we, we just look at it and we know it, right. The brand doesn't have any values, like strong core values, or, you know, there's, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of things that don't add up. The design isn't that good. And it's just like, we're going to have such a hard time like putting this in the hands of good micro influencers, right? Cause micro, this, this is the thing about micro influencer marketing that we have to understand is like, it's a bilateral relationship that if you have a strong brand for the influencer, it only makes sense to promote you because it boosts their 
authority as a micro influencer, right? They want to be, they want to tell, they want to tell their friends, Hey, you know, we worked with this brand at this X, Y, Z and saved the planet and, you know, is inclusive and whatever, whatever your messaging is. But like, you have to get behind those values because it makes them like much prouder, much more proud of, you know, um, actually promoting your brand. So that's really something we have to take into consideration. If a brand has strong equity it's so easy for us to do our job like it, it it's just so easy for us like it yeah that's it there, yeah well and yeah and that, i think that's why working with like that step we're, we're talking about what when is that step relevant to a new brand coming out it's when you're ready right it's it's never it's never too early or too late for them to feel like they're reaching a different demographic in a different way working with micro influencers but you have to feel ready yourself like have your your mantra, your business model, your focus yes. and your product good. You have to work on you for it's, it's almost like dating, right? It's like you must work on you first before you can put yourself out in the world and be vulnerable to other people. Um, so that being said, is there in this, like I said, we talked about vanity metrics. Do you, do you get a lot of, a lot of ideas or people from people that are like, I want, I just want likes or, that doesn't really drive like results besides like growth and yeah. that that's not, that doesn't win in business that you're not buying a product. You're just getting a click, like an arbitrary double tap. Like that is an easy unemotional attachment to a certain post, whether it's like, that's cool, funny, unique, different idea. Do you have to like really set the expectations for the client and the customer and for them not to just focus on those kind of metrics? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. That's really, that's like the challenge, right? And, you know, setting the expectations. Like if, if we're looking to grow your follower count, necessarily, we're going to have to do strategies that will make you grow your follower count. Okay. Of course. And this is like, you know, but like, you can't say I want to grow my follower count while driving sales, right? It becomes extremely hard because in one case, you're, you're doing a giveaway, but then in that giveaway, you're given a promo code for, you know, the, 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 the user that's, participating in the giveaway to go buy the, like it, it doesn't add up, right? Kind of like, you know, you have Two to- Two different strategies, yeah exactly. yeah. exactly, exactly. So like, you know, but like a lot of people will say, I want everything, right? I want sales and awareness. I want, you know, I want market research. I want good content and I want follower growth. And it's like, well, okay, let's 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 set that straight and let's, let's look <laughs> at what we can do. There's a 10 step plan to get all those things. Yeah, yeah, one. but that, it, it, it works, but we just have to, you know, we just have to package it properly and then, then it, it, it does work. Yeah. What about, um, so in this industry, there's so much ebb and flow. There's a lot of different moving parts. Your head has to be constantly on a swivel. What's where trends are, what are users using? Um, right. Because you see different generations using certain, um, platforms. Um, for example, yeah. you see older generation, I would say like, um, you know, 50 plus more on Facebook. Uh, you would see a little bit less on Instagram, uh, younger on Instagram or so. And then you see, a lot younger people on Snapchat, Instagram, but also TikTok mainly. Um, what is each generation kind of has its thing it gravitates towards? So if you had to put your like thinking cap on or like your predictive cap on, what's the next wave of like where do you think audiences will want to get their give their, their attention to? Because there's so many different things that are yelling at us constantly. Is it going to be audio only? Is it going to be like in podcast format like this, and it just really drives content user um, usability stand out? Or is there going to be another platform that comes along and really subverts everything else? Like I'm, I'm trying to think of what that would be. 
for that next wave of platform, social media. So I think, I think video is still a mega trend. That's just going to keep building. It's just, we're going to go more and more towards video. Video makes a lot of sense. It's, it's, it's becoming easier and easier to create great videos. In terms of platforms, I have no clue. Like my, I mean, my bet is, yeah, it's it's hard to predict these things. <laughs> if you could predict way. it, you would build it, yeah, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And then in terms of like communication with newer generations, it definitely from even with the inf- micro influencers, right? We've we've implemented SMS, you know, management systems, or we actually communicate with the influencers through SMS, right? After okay. they've signed up and given us their, their phone number. Reason is that, you know, uh, younger generation is much more reactive to SMS than they are to email. So really? it's, it's a big, it's a big path we're looking to explore as well in terms of like, okay, how can we CTA to like, you know, an SMS autoresponder, right, to give a, a discount, right? Instead of just uh, going and like use my discount code, it would be like text this number to get 20% off your order, right? And then it becomes another way to capture kind of signups. So that's fascinating because on, I get, I mean, roughly so. And we, we talked about this on Friday with um, infl- uh, just marketing in general on Amazon with our friend over at Seller Tools, Troy Johnson. And he, he said, you know, one of the longest you can va- verify a client or an individual because your phone number has almost been with you for as long as almost a social security number um, in that context. Yeah. It's 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 quite interesting, the genesis that you get um, from that. And it, it lasts with you. Like no one wants to change their phone number because then you have no. to tell everyone about it and everything like that. But that being said, you had mentioned that more young people trust SMS, but that it comes in as a automated message. It doesn't look trustworthy, at least to myself. Um, it, it, yeah, like so a you, you have a link. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You have to so, send it in a way where that you know you have to send it in a way that's uh, it's actually like conversational, right? You don't want to send like you know it doesn't have you don't want it to look spammy, right? But I think um, I think. Yeah, I think it's more a fact that they actually check their SMS more than their email. Like email is hard. We get people that just ghost and then it's like, okay, well, where are they, right? And we SMS them and we get instant responses, right? So it's it's more in that sense, right, that I feel like, you know, we have it for the influencer management component and now we're like, heck, we should explore it for the kind of user to, um, to onboarding flow, you know, just try, hey, get your coupon code by texting this number instead. Right, and... When you have that sort of messaging, you know it's getting to the. That's why I think a lot more people are, you know, they're voting. In the old, like I said, olden days, like long ago, you would just like hey, vote, text in number X Y Z to vote or anything like that. But what they're doing is capturing information, like they know, in theory, yeah. zip codes, area codes, um, where these people are actually viewing from. And by definition, you're starting to build a demographic of where these people might be located. You know, I'm assuming on the back end of SMS. I haven't hadn't even thought that far, but that's yeah, a you, good, you that's know a where it's coming from. Idea. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> free advice here on uh, crossover <laughs> as always is what I'm Love giving uh, unsolicited, <laughs> unsolicited advice. Uh, but you know the genesis, uh, or I, I say the word genesis. You know the nuance of if you have the ability to know where they're texting from, I'm assuming you can get that data from either the cell tower where most of that information is coming from. You can actually hyper target individuals in that area because of uh, either success rate or sponsor rate and whatnot. And just, if it is it a locational thing, is it a, um, a different message that you can say, Hey, in Indiana, you only get 
10% off. That's where I'm at. I'm in Indianapolis, Indiana. So target that specific because SMS, you're going to respond more than you are in uh, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, or something like that. Um, but I wonder, yeah, how, how do you create that trust maybe in your mind on the SMS? Like, is, is it that, like, hey, friend, like, this is Ryan from over at uh, yeah, Brands Brandon. Crossover yeah, Commerce. Exactly. Like, we love that you're on our subscriber list. Like, here's 10% off when you uh, use promo code XYZ. And it's as simple yeah. as that. Either click on this link or go to our website and use it in the next 20 days and you'll get 10% off. Yeah. That easy? That easy. That's how I go at it. And I test things and then see like, okay, what resonates? What kind of wording? How long should a text be? And so forth. But that's really how I do it. I think it, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of potential in there for sure. Cool. Well, uh, before I let you go, David, what what you the, your agency that you guys have, um, you know, there's so much kind of going on with um, the the technology you're building, but also the agency side. Like, what 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 does the rest of this year look like for you and your team to focus on? And then if they're interested and you're listening to this, yeah. listeners like I need to talk to David. Like I have, I need so much help with my micro influencer strategy. What do I, where do I go to engage with you? So yeah, vision for the agency right right now is really like we're, you know we're we're building out our ambassador, um, you know, influencer to ambassador solution. From you know we're 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 building that out to a point where we want to include community in there, get the influencers to collaborate together, manage and for our clients. And we're also betting on the content approach to it. So we have a lot of paid media clients that are just like, hey, we really don't care about the influencers. We really just want the content, right? And that's coming back and back and back to a point where it's like, okay, well, you know, we should have a dedicated solution for that, which we have. And now we're going to be putting that behind a platform. So the advantage we have is we've worked with, what, 25,000 plus micro influencers to this point. So we know who's a good creator and who isn't, right? So that's a huge advantage because we know who's reliable and who isn't, you know, we, we have all this data. And then, so we're, we're, we're just building out our small army of creator and we're TikTok ad creator, Facebook ads creator, and we're just gonna be doing a kind of content solution for that. So that's like, a, I think the future of the agency for us is really just like, I mean, as an agency, recurring revenue is the best. We, we, we do like these uh, one-off, campaigns when a bigger brand comes to us and they're like hey you know we've got this budget that we want to drop on a campaign it's cool but it, we we want to work recurrently with our clients more and more so that's why we're betting on that um to reach me over at linkedin i think yeah my linkedin is right there in uh in uh in uh my my shot there and or directly on our website mb.agency there's a link to a calendly you can book a call right there with me at the book a call button and uh gladly we'll chat and answer any and questions course, you might have. All the links in the website is uh, going to be in our comment section. And if you're listening to this, it's going to be our show notes as well. For those of you who are listening to us on our podcast, again, on Apple, Spotify, or Google Podcasts, truly anywhere where you can listen to a podcast. We're on Amazon Music, for God's sake. We're, uh, we're on all of the <laughs> social media platforms. You just search Crossover Commerce, you're actually going to find us. So with that being said, David, thank you so much today. I'm, I'm, I'm super fascinated by just marketing in general and I don't want to always be the one person who thinks it. I, I I get afraid to put these thoughts in the out, but a lot of I think we're all on the same page of you have to test a lot. You have to think of creative ways in order to really build a brand, but make it so that's consumable. Um, just kind of stay with trends and whatnot. But I guess my final question for you is, what's the one brand 
that you wish it would call you right after this podcast and say, David, we need it. We need yeah. it's it's time. We need to work yeah. together. Yeah, and by far, by far, it would be spike ball. Like I just love working. I don't know if really? you know what spike ball is. Yeah, yeah I just love I this do. game. I just yeah, I just play it. I I was asked the same question on another podcast. And I didn't know what to answer. Like I, I but now like I, I rethought it. So I'm happy that you're giving me a second chance. But yeah, Spikeball spike is ball definitely fan, huh? All right. I love it. Yeah. For, and I think it's let, it's so marketable. So, so if people don't know what this is, this would be almost like the trampoline version of like, hey, hitting a ball in the middle and running yeah, and chasing yeah. it. Almost like a, a cross between volleyball and uh four corners. If you're a, yeah, exactly. Yeah, hey, that's yeah, that's a that's a really good description. I usually Cheap. give up on explaining what it is, and I just show a video. But that's a volleyball and four spike corners. ball. If you're listening to this, we got two people yeah. here who know how to who explain your brand yeah. to people. <laughs> Feel free to reach out. With that being said, David, thank you so much for crossover uh, jumping on crossover commerce today. Best of luck. Um, you said you were in starting a podcast soon, so which is really exciting. You didn't mention that, but uh, in yeah. your, uh what you're excited about, but. Best of luck in that. I'm really excited to hear what that's going to be. Do you know what the what the point of view or what that's going to look like? For no, you? no clue yet. Really, no clue on that. Uh, probably just on, just on the know. list, right? Yeah, exactly. Got a couple well, ideas. I want to interview. I want to interview great direct to consumer and e-commerce entrepreneurs, and you know, just talk to them and geek out about stuff, right? That's pretty much like the essence of it. And that is the beauty of being a podcast host. Let me tell you for yeah. everyone who knows every, I call them friends of the show now and listener knows this, that I have a front row to see to understand and listen and learn from the greatest minds in the space. And I don't take that lightly. I actually want to sit down, make sure that I'm an ambassador of what they're talking about, but then also want to make sure that everyone's getting their questions answered in that time, because time is super precious. If we can understand and grow every single day, I think that helps everyone in your circle, circle, right? Whether it's peer wise or um, professional wise or just personal wise, you always want to continue to grow your circles, uh, whether it's learning new uh, trips or tics, tips and tricks in your business, how to optimize and grow forward and just become a, a better human being all around. So that, yeah. that's kind of what is exciting to be a podcast host, but best of luck on that. Um, I'll have Thank to- Thank you, Ryan. Really... Know, but thanks for hopping on Crossover Commerce. I appreciate it. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Thanks, Bye. David. And again, everyone, thank you for listening to episode 141 of Crossover Commerce. This is my corner of the internet. Like I said, we talk about everything and experts in the Amazon and e-commerce field. Again, we talked about micro-influencing today, which is very important for lots of sellers and brands selling both on Amazon and direct-to-consumer. So that being said, um, just lots of great notes. I, I was taking along um, with David uh, from in his agency and whatnot, you can check those out again in the comments section uh, or the show notes if you're listening to this podcast. Again, I'm Ryan Kramer. This week is packed. We have five live episodes. So you want to subscribe to our social channels this week specifically, but also forever when we come up with great content on YouTube or on Facebook or on LinkedIn. I will go live on those channels. And then you can also subscribe to our channels in audio format. You're not a big video person. You can listen to this on audio format. Go ahead and search Crossover Commerce on your favorite podcast channels. That being said, this is one of five this week. So I'll be back at it tomorrow. It's 10 a.m. Eastern. We will be talking about how to leverage automation personalization strategies without having an Amazon-like budget with Dan McGraw. Again, that's a long format, but we're going to be talking about how to optimize and automate some of your experiences in your business moving forward. So go ahead and check us out tomorrow. We'll be coming back here live on Crossover Commerce. Until then, take care, everyone. We'll catch you next time.